begin transmission. Hello, everybody. It is Ben and I, Chris, aka Star Raptor, here for Outer Rim transmission number 47. On this week's show, we're going to be talking all about the first reactions, impressions, and reviews for the brand new Star Wars Hotel in Orlando, Florida. Galactic Star Cruiser. We're also going to be breaking down the latest in some media announcements for Star Wars. Lego Star Wars has gone gold. Plus, we have some more kind of secrets and rumors bubbling up from the surface about this new upcoming unannounced live action series in the High Republic. We're going to get to all of that on this week's episode of Outer Rim Transmission. But first, how was your week, Ben? Um, pretty good overall. Not, nothing like too too eventful uh, in terms of like different things that I enjoy or whatnot. Um, you know, football season's over, so we don't have that anymore. So it's kind of like the downtime for sports basically. So there's none of that. And then fitness wise, Hey, down, down two pounds since we last uh, had a podcast. So I'm doing good dieting. So I'm happy about that. And then, uh, you know, in, in terms of uh, like my week in star Wars, nothing, nothing too crazy, really. Just, just, uh, you know, I I, always, I say it every week. I sound like a broken record, but you know, just talking Star Wars with friends and family. Like I had about a two-hour conversation with about Kenobi with my best friend earlier in the week, just because you know we just got talking and theorizing and you know just having different um, conversations about it. So yeah, that's you know that was kind of my week in Star Wars. Nothing nothing too crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, my my week as well was nothing too crazy. Uh, girlfriend and I were painting some Star Wars Legion models. It had been a while and. The funniest part was, you know, she paints a stormtrooper and it looks way better than me. So I'm just like, ah, oh, man. But I'm in a Facebook group and a buddy of mine is all like, hey, we should um, we should have your girlfriend paint our stuff for money. And it's like, that wouldn't be too bad. It's like, I can I can set her up with a little hobby to make her some some extra cash there. So that's what we had fun doing. I was painting my Wookiee. My little Wookiee gunship type of thing, Fluttercraft, and she's painting stormtroopers. So that'll be uh, that'll be something ongoing that we we kind of do whenever uh, we have some spare time, especially in the winter time. There's not a not a whole lot we can do outside, so it's like all right, let's let's stick inside and, and get a little crafty. So uh, that's what that's what we were up to this week. Other than that, I mean, I've just been playing the hell out of Destiny Two, the Witch Queen expansion. It's like the best. That Destiny has been yet. Uh, it's getting glowing reviews all around, and it's just—it's great to see some a, a game in its in its top form. Seven years in its running, it's still getting better and better, and the best it's ever been. So funny, basically, uh, that's me. Yeah. Yeah. Funny story about that. So like I, uh, you know, I've really never played Destiny, or I don't remember. I, I played a little bit of the first game, and I hadn't played it since since it came out, basically, and. When I saw the Witch Queen trending on Twitter, I was like, oh, man. Yep. The Destiny thing. I was like, well, I guess it's not Game of Thrones. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's it's been a lot of fun. It's been a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll kind of just jump right into it. So our first... Um, thing we're going to go over of course is if you're listening to this podcast we go live every friday night at nine o'clock eastern you can catch us and talk in the chat we love to have your guys participation going back and forth having a nice friendly discussion with the fellow star wars fans in this youtube channel community um you can also listen to us on any podcast service around the globe just simply search outer room transmission and you can also search outer room transmission on teespring.com to get yourself a t-shirt or a sweatshirt 
Uh, so we're going to dive into out this week. We had two separate things for Star Wars that came out this week, both revolving around the High Republic. Um, we're getting to the end of Phase 1. We have Edge of Balance Volume 2 written by Daniel Jose Older. It's a manga. It's a Star Wars manga. It's in the continuity. It's a really cool idea because we're dealing with these characters on this far off planet and we're seeing from like their perspective what is happening when the Nile invade the repercussions of the villagers and things on that kind of level rather than like a galaxy spanning level so that's what I really appreciate about the Edge of Balance Volume 2. We also had the High Republic Adventures issue number 13 from IDW and fun fact this is the very last Star Wars thing that that IDW will ever publish um they they lost the license or whatever happened however you want to explain that whole transaction but Dark Horse will be picking up the reins of the young reader uh type of comic book stories for um for Star Wars going forward but this is the last issue of Daniel Jose Alter his run of Star Wars The High Republic. And I feel like this comic, just if I could explain it, um, at a macro level, was probably some of the most enjoyment I've had out of any Star Wars comics, Marvel and IDW combined. This thing is awesome. There are lots of really memorable characters and really character deep development things going on here. For a book that is all ages, it sure didn't feel like it. There's lots of loss. There's lots of mature kind of stuff. For an imprint that typically put out comics that really didn't push the boundaries for things. It's usually Marvel that's really pushing out the headline articles and stuff like that. But I feel like the Higher Public Adventures definitely had so much more potential. We know we're going to get more adventures most likely around these characters. So I'm not saying, oh, they're they're never going to get, you know, returned to their journeys. I'm sure Dark Horse hopefully uh, will pick back up. Uh, those storylines so yes we had edge of balance volume 2 higher public transition number 13 highly recommend both of those so literally just this morning as of recording this we got the first reviews the first impressions the first recaps whatever you want to call them for galactic star cruiser the two night stay in disneyland or disney world uh okay are you still there yeah i'm here okay i heard something going off i i just Want to make sure we're still recording? Oh. It looks like we're still recording. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, I heard good. like a <laughs> Skype call thing going off for some reason. Um, but regardless of the fact, poor listeners out there, um, we we have this Galactic Star Cruiser. The, the reactions, we got the reviews. They're out there. We've been waiting for this moment because this thing's opening up literally next week. So they had a trial run, a lot of the media big news outlets you had small smaller things like star wars certain podcasts star wars fan sites showing up everyone and every between is kind of showing up they even tiktokers now that's something i don't even get into but apparently the you know we call them influencers of these other social platforms were even invited um i'll throw it to you but did you hear anything did you read anything see any videos i know there's a lot of stuff kind of revolving around on the twitterverse yeah, I was I was uh, deep diving into it, you know, uh, after we got talking about it, you know, we found out this was like our main sh uh, subject for the week. Like I, I at first went into the reviews thinking, oh, these are all going to be basically super biased reviews just because, you know, it's the first initial people going there. There's, you know, a lot of them are sent there by Lucasfilm, by Disney and Star Wars. Like, so I was thinking it was going to be a lot of, you know, basically puff pieces. And a lot of people were pretty negative to not uh, 
not purely negative, but definitely not biased. They were surprisingly honest, which, hey, hats off to those people because, you know, being honest when it comes to like a brand like Disney and Star Wars, you, you know, you're definitely, you know, you're definitely risking it because they may not, they may not invite you back. So I'm, it's great seeing people actually be honest when it comes to their reviews. Yeah, and a really cool thing is I've been listening to a podcast called Sky Talkers. I'm going to give them a shout out because yep. I've never actually listened to anything, but I seen they had a podcast and I was working out. So I was like, hey, I can get this information I need while working out. So that was really convenient for me. So I appreciate them putting out something so timely. But they actually came up front in their podcast and they also said the same thing that you were going on about, Ben. They were like, Disney would probably most of the time give us certain talking points that we would have to do and certain criteria we would have to talk about. And they would ask for our credentials and, and whatever things we were talking about. They'd even they didn't even ask them for their podcasts. They didn't even say like, oh, you have to like give us our pot your podcast when you send it out. Like they literally had no guidelines for anything that they had to include or or exclude out of their they talk spoilers everything about the story everything there's literally it's like a three-hour podcast go listen to it uh so i have to i was like really shocked when i when i was listening to the podcast and they said that because like, i thought it'd be very sanitized i thought today we would get these reviews and it'd be all glowing reviews and i'd have to wait another week or two for the actual people to go on march 1st or 2nd or whatever the actual start date is next week so I was pleasantly surprised because I, I put out a tweet earlier in the week, like, please, like, let these influencers be honest. Like, it's like hopefully it's not just, like, gloating. And it's exactly what you said. Maybe maybe these, you know, execs or whoever, the public, publicity of Disney sees these negative, more negative things. It's like, ah, we're not going to invite them back. So a lot of people, you know, it's to be expected, kind of. Like, you want to remain your reputation with some of these companies so you still get the stuff to review early to help out with your platform. But at the same point, you also want to service uh, the people because they, there's the Star Wars community at large is very interested in this thing. It's the first of its kind. It's a brand new experience. It's like part theme park, part hotel, part cruise, part like interactive, like live action role playing game, part uh, theatrical display, part games. Like there's a like, and that and that's where the where the question comes in is like, is this worth it? And it's hard to answer that question for a lot of people. The title, it says, it's not worth it in this YouTube video, for the most part. But you also have to give credit where credit is due. There's nothing to compare this to, right? This is not just a straight-up hotel. It's not a cruise ship. It's not a lot of things. It's an amalgamation of many things. And Disney's trying it out for the first time. It's the first of its kind. There's, to our knowledge, there's nothing like this for any other franchise any other kind of experience where you're literally like role playing a hunter, you know, 24 seven for two days straight. Um, so I do want to send, I do want to kind of start with that first and be like, Hey, this is not what we're, we're, we're used to. Um, and we're going to come back around to that, to that money thing after, because what I have done, I've not just listened to the podcast sky talkers. I've also gone on nerdist.com, read Amy Radcliffe's really honest and great review. I definitely recommend checking that out. I've seen other articles, GameSpot. I've, I've really tried to gather as much information as I could to hopefully allow this episode of the podcast to get people to really understand what is going on because this is a very big investment in your entertainment. You know, at least $4,800 $4, is the cheapest you can go, and that's only for two people. It is going to be a little bit cheaper if you get you know more people to go. 
Um, but we'll explain about the cons of what happens when you have more than two people in that cabin because it is not it is not very large. Um, so my purpose of, of a large part of uh, Outer Rim Transmission number 47 tonight is to go over the pros, go over the cons of what I've seen. Again, I've not been there. I would like to go. I would like to go, but money's a little tight right now, and it's a little bit of a kind of a long-term thing that I would have to save up for. But uh, but kind of with that being said, I'm gonna gonna kind of throw it over um, to your to your initial impressions, Ben, of, of of what your reactions were to to maybe experiencing some of the things you might have seen today. Yeah. Okay. All right. There's a lot of there's a lot of different feelings I had really, but I feel like the main one. And I just felt like, I felt like a lot of the stuff I saw through people's videos and pictures, it just felt, to me, a lot of it felt sci-fi and not Star Wars, in my opinion. And, you know, it just had a, had kind of more of a sci-fi vibe. You know, forget like, you know, the Star Wars things you see in it, like lightsabers and stuff. Um, but like, just the overall look of the place felt more sci-fi to me than Star Wars. And then a lot of it, I just felt like, you know, you didn't really get a good uh, glimpse. Like, sure, some people's things you got good glimpses of it, but it just felt just kind of generic, honestly. And then even, you know, uh, we watched the Good Morning America little little sizzle reel they put out uh, <laughs> as well. And that just, you really didn't get too much out of that. It was It felt like a really safe sizzle reel, and you didn't really get too much out of it. There wasn't much shown. Um, and it just... It felt like a lot of the stuff was really safe sci-fi mm -hmm. feel to it, and it didn't really feel like it didn't it didn't really feel like a Star Wars thing to me. You know, obviously, like I said, take out a lightsaber and stuff like that. It felt more sci-fi by the looks of it. Yeah, I think that's a great first impression. I, that's a, thanks for reminding me because I do want to talk about the Good Morning America like little sneak preview. It was a pretty oh, yeah. good day for for Good Morning America because like right before that segment, they had the cast of the Batman on, so I was already watching that. Like, oh, this is great! They're showing us a clip of Catwoman versus Batman fighting together. The yep. first scene of the movie they meet, and they had the Robert Pattinson and Zoe Kravitz on on you know talking with the crew, and they're like, oh, we're talking about Galactic Star Cruiser. Um, so it was only like I was surprised. It was only like a five minute little thing, but. Like, you know, it's like they really kind of only showed you the stuff that they wanted you to see. And some of the stuff actually that they wanted you to see in turn is actually the stuff that they shouldn't have shown you because, oh, my gosh, I watched um, some of the stuff revolving around the lightsaber stuff. And like, I don't know what the heck was going on there because it was just like like the most rudimentary thing I could ever think of when it comes to like, oh, we're going to have you hold a lightsaber and just like block these like little laser blasts. But then at the same point. There's like people behind the guy that was using the lightsaber, the reporter, and they had like these like little like light shield things. And I'm really not sure if like they had to be there. Like, is that a limitation of this machine is like they had to have these like these cast members sitting back there reflecting the light back or something like that seemed a little bit off to me um, in, in that scenario. Um, and another thing that popped out to me was just, I don't know, the Chewbacca costume it, I've seen pictures since. It just, it just doesn't look right to me. I'm like, all right. Well, there's like, better like, cosplayers that do it. Yeah. 
Like, I, I, I mean, his fit, like the actual face of Chewbacca, and I know I'm getting really nitpicky on this, but the actual face of Chewbacca looks fine. It's just like the bushiness of his hair. It looks like he has to have his hair combed a little bit or something. There is hair, his hair is wild, and he's like that in other pictures and videos I've seen on, on these other um, Twitter videos and stuff I've seen since. So, yeah, I mean, it was more of like a Sasquatch look. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah so so uh, um but but we'll, we'll kind of get into we'll start with the good Let, let's start with the good all right so pros all right I, i've been hearing this from like every person i've i've seen impressions on that the main course food is great um so so you're able to have like a dining experience in this coruscant or the coronet something there's a certain name but they have like really good food. Apparently, the presentation looks awesome. It looks like a lot of the chefs, the chefs have done their homework. They've kind of made these different kind of um, meals based on planetary locations as you're traveling through space and stuff like that. So they've done a really great job. There's like one thing that has like this blue, um, blue shrimp. There's another thing that's like bantha, and they have really great creative names with the canon that actually goes into that. Um, so the food they said compared to the other, this is a very high praise because I've I haven't been to Disney World in a while, but I I I've, I guess that the food's got to be pretty above above average for the most part. And they said this is the best Disney food that people have ever had. Period. Like out of all the locations, out of all the hotels or anything else, like they really people really enjoyed the actual food itself, which is great because you're playing paying a premium as I mentioned. So that's going to be one of the things, right? They also said the drinks are really good. Um, apparently, somebody mentioned in one of the articles that if you go to Oga's Cantina and Galaxy's Edge, a lot of the drinks aren't even like made in front of you. They're like already pre-mixed, so it kind of like is like, oh, that's not 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 super cool because like you don't even see them mixing it. But in this, they are. Um, but there's also a little caveat to the drink situation. Now the drinks are amazing. They're, they look really cool too. I've seen images. But um, you have to pay for the drinks per drink. So I feel like the price tag is already super, super high. And they also mentioned that drinks are not very cheap either. So I'm guessing like New York or Las Vegas prices, probably like almost 20 bucks a drink. I don't know the prices, but if they're saying it's not cheap, then it's probably in that range, I would assume. It's definitely double digits, what I would imagine. Um, and so, so you got that double-edged sword. Where it's like, yeah, they're great, but they're also not exactly... Um, cheaper or included right so so um oh we, we also have jesse bennett we have joshua barilla in the chat uh thanks for joining us and and, and listening to our ramblings on about galactic uh, galactic star cruiser uh, so so getting more into this right so what are your feelings on food on on cruises on uh excursions and stuff like that have you been to anything disney in a while ben um, nothing Disney, but I mean, we recently went to Hawaii as like the listeners know, and you know, that's definitely a tourist hotspot and, uh, you know, food there was really good. So it's, you know, food, I feel like no matter what destination or vacation you're going on, food has to be at minimum good because if not, your place is just going to get roasted. So it's a, it's, it's a good start that their food's good. And then when it comes to the drink situation, um, you know, that, that can vary, I feel like, because, like, around here, like, an expensive, like, drink is, like, $6. So, you know, it's it's much different where I live compared to, like, where you live and other people live. But, uh, like, hearing a t potential, like, 
close to $20 drink is like wild. Um, so, uh, you know, there's that, that's kind of like a deterrent for me or not a deterrent, but a negative. And then, uh, you know, as I said, like when it comes to food, like you have to, you know, with this being a star Wars theme place, the food has to kind of be star Wars theme. So it's good. You know, like you mentioned, it's like themed per planet type of, you know, what you're traveling to, like that sort of thing. Like that's really cool. And, uh, you know, as you said, the presentation of the drinks, that's good. Like, like when it comes down to it with, with any type of like a restaurant like that, you know, the presentation is what really hits home. Like, you know, if anybody's ever seen any of the stuff, like with Gordon Ramsay, like his big thing, you know, when people prepare like food for some of his cooking shows is like the presentation of the food at the end is like at just as important as how good the food tastes. So, you know, the presentation is really important. Um, I mean, heck I have personal experience with that. You know, when we went to, like I said, we went to Hawaii uh, last month and we went to this like expensive restaurant where it was like $60 for a plate of fish. And, you know, the chef came out and like talked to us about like the presentation of like the fish on the plate and blah, blah, blah. Like, so, you know, that was like a big thing to them. So like, it's good hearing that is a part of this uh, experience. Yeah. Um, I, th- I would say in general, going off that topic is they have in general like taken good care of like the details um all over the ship not just with the food about like you know going into arbash and, and just the hallways and stuff feels pretty star wars um uh, there so I, I, we're going to come back to more specific examples as i as i wrote them down further in this document um and i will acknowledge uh, jesse bennett's comment uh, but are you really going there to drink or to experience star wars and that's the thing right we're also going to get down into this and this could be a positive or a negative um it's just like, yeah, there you have the sublight lounge, I believe they call it. And um, we'll put it this way. This is not, this is not going to be the kind of trip that you're going to be just sitting around on. Um, and, we'll, and we'll come yeah, back no. to that. You're not going to be. But still, it's like, uh, you know, it's great. But you're not you're going to be breaking the bank if you're sitting there for more than a couple drinks, I guess. And I don't know <laughs> if it's $20. I just assume when somebody said it's not cheap, that that's probably in the relative price range. Um, and these are mixed drinks, by the way. So the mixed drinks are usually a little bit something like that mixologists would make. Yeah, they're not usually cheap. Um, but, but uh, you know, you have it once to just try it and, and get the flavors. And then, and then that's it. You have water afterwards. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> All right. So, so another thing that's really cool that they do well is the spontaneous improvisation. Um, there's the main story things that you have your scheduled to do on your data pad, aka your phone, stuff like that. But there are other moments where you're walking around the ship and you come into play with the other characters and and they have like little things that they speak to you about. Apparently, all these cast members that are hired for the job are very up on their Star Wars knowledge. Like these people must have gone through extensive training because they all wear a badge that says what planet they're from in Star Wars. So I guess they probably have like one of the story group people or somebody telling them like, okay, make sure you know this, 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 and this, and this timeline of your planet because people are going to be asking you questions. Um, So that's really impressive for me to understand like, okay, they actually took the time to train the staff uh, to be very friendly and hospitable, but also have a little bit of Star Wars knowledge. So when you talk to them, they have a little story they can tell you and, and different things like that. So I think from that, that's something that I would find very valuable um, to get out of that experience is to actually see somebody and just chat about like, oh, yeah, you know, you see somebody that's from um, Naboo, for instance, and be like, 
hey, so so what are things like there after the fall of the empire? You know, like 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 getting involved with that and being like, do you ever see like Nabu starfighters flying around or or how's the Gungan population these days? Or is everybody getting along? Like like I would love to just like pick somebody's brain like that and just like act like I'm in Star Wars. So that, that that's good that you can have those conversations if you're a hardcore Star Wars fan. And again, we're gonna come back to that whole aspect of like who is this who is the Galactic Star Cruiser really for? Is it for the people that are kind of on the periphery of Star Wars, or is it more for the hardcore Star Wars fan? And we'll we'll kind of address that based off the data that I was able to kind of get today throughout throughout the day from various um, avenues and platforms. Um, all right, so the next the next point I have here on my list, uh, uh, the characters and, and the performances are cool. Um, so they have. You know, a singer, they have this Rodian that plays this different kind of instrument. They have the captain, they have Chewbacca, they have Rey, they have uh, Kylo Ren. There's lots of lots of characters, the, the, and the, the performances are really pretty pretty cool. Like, that's how I say it becomes like a theatrical thing. There's like a, an opening ceremony, there's a finale ceremony that are pretty over the top and, and really well done. Um, so I think like, again, like you go to this expecting something you haven't seen before. This is not your typical hotel. And I think some people have that in their minds. A lot of us have it in our minds. Like this was originally marketed as like, they're making a star Wars hotel. And, and ever since we've all been thinking like, this is a star Wars hotel. Um, but we have to think this is more like a cruise ship experience. We're given an itinerary like you would on a, on a cruise ship and you have things to do and, and different things and they have performances and stuff like that. So um, there's like a singer at, at, at on the dinner night. You go and you see a singer and, and all this cool stuff. So um, that that's that's where that goes there. Um, any um, any input on any of that, Ben? Yeah, I think, um, you know, I think all that's really Definitely, like you said, on the positive side of things, like the improv imp imp improvisational type things like the uh, the employees have, like that's really good, um, you know, because you want a diverse experience. You don't want just like the generic like, oh, hey, how you doing? I'm a hotel worker type deal. So like that's a big that's a big positive um, to me for sure. And then, you know, like you mentioned, like the the opening and closing ceremonies you know, uh, just, just those type of like almost kind of quote unquote, like cultural, like, you know, that's, those are like things that could, you know, you could see like a celebration like that in star Wars celebrating something or, you know, like those type of things. Like, I think those are, um, good experiences because they're also like memorable experiences for customers that could, you know, you, they could go home and talk about it. So like their friends and family post about it on social media. So mm. I think that's a big positive. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so getting to the next the next area here. Now these these are the recommendations and suggestions that I think a lot of this stuff I'm about to talk about can be improved. Um, these are the things that people have found to be a little bit underwhelming. People have found out need a little bit of work. Um, but it's not the end of the world, right? Like this is a new experience as I as I keep saying. So there's there's lots of room for improvement. And sometimes maybe people might listen to what I'm about to say and say, hey, maybe maybe I should wait you know, two, three, four, maybe five years and, and, and maybe there'll be a completely revamped experience. And, and that's cool. And that's why we have people going out to review things like this ahead of time to save us all the aggravation, frustration that might come if we kind of early adopt 
um, to a brand new scope of, of entertainment like like we're about to go through. So I'm going to start with the, the, the we're going to go over the negatives here. Uh, I'm going to start with the first things that a lot of people have been wondering about is the actual rooms themselves. Um, so again, I'm collating a lot of this information from like multiple sources. Um, but the rooms really, really small. Um, from what I hear, like the rooms are like, okay, as I was explaining before, you have like different uh, package prices. You can get the two person, the five person. The room could fit five people, but the problem is it's going to be really cramped. Um, they do not have any kind of like luggage area, I guess, or closet. So I guess you kind of just have to like leave your bags like on the floor somewhere. Um, <laughs> and when you don't have a lot of room to walk to begin with, that could be a problem. I hear the, be the beds are very comfortable and, and different things like that. But keep in mind that a lot of people are going to be coming to Galactic Star Cruiser as hardcore Star Wars fans, people want to get involved. People want to, you know, actually, you know, get dressed up, cosplay. So they might have more luggage than they might normally have. They might have like their usual bag and then a whole nother bag just with their costume stuff that they're going to get dressed up in for those two days. So I could already see that people are saying it's not really big enough to really store your stuff appropriately and, and have room to do stuff around there. Um, Another thing, like little things, there's no, there's no like iron, so you have to like, I guess, special order one or something like that from from the people they'll give you one, but they're not included in the room. Um, another thing, which is a really cool feature, but it also seems like it needs a lot of work, is the fact that every room has like a a screen that looks like you're going through space, like a spaceport window or whatever they call it. It's really cool. Apparently, like, everybody is looking at the same area of space, no matter where they are at the same time in their rooms. So let's say somebody goes to hyperspace, they're in the, they're going through hyperspace. Everybody's going to see hyperspace at once, no matter what room you're in. So I think that's pretty cool. If you're passing by Coruscant, everybody's going to see Coruscant at the same time. So it's a pretty neat experience. But the problem is, I think a lot of people want to fall asleep and like wake up and see like they're still in space. The problem is when apparently the screens are on, it's so freaking bright that like the lights have to stay on or something like that. So it's basically impossible to like fall asleep while like the spaceport window is open. You basically have to like shut it down and then that's it. So like while they have a really cool feature, it's like obviously there's some technical things that could be done to definitely like tone down the brightness a little bit. And actually make it make it more enjoyable. So so yeah, it does seem like the rooms now. Granted, as we're about to go over, you're not going to be in your rooms a whole lot. But you know, it is kind of a cool novelty to be like, hey, you know, like let's fall asleep and watch the stars as I fall asleep or something like that. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean that that makes total sense. Like, you know, when you were talking about the brightness, and I thought about it too when I was reading different reviews and listening to different YouTube videos. Like, why can't they maybe just incorporate something? I mean, I'm sure it's technologically it's tricky, but incorporate something like, you know, we have our like blue lights on our phones where they dim down at a certain time at night. Like maybe like incorporate incorporate some type of like a blue light or some type of a timer to dim the brightness, you know, after 10 p.m. Eastern or something like, you know, maybe something like that could potentially help. And then, um, you know, as you said, like about the room size. I, I, you know, based on like the pictures and things I saw, it kind of reminded me like, like I hate saying this, but it kind of reminded me of like a little bit bigger, like. So like, 
I don't know. It just, to me, it wasn't what I was expecting, I think, for the room. Like, once I saw people, like, posting about it and stuff, like, just for the size. Like you said, you don't go to a, ho- a vacation to hang out at the hotel the whole time. But still, it, like you said, it's cool to be able to, like, go back there. Mm-hmm. So, and, you know, like you said, with if you're a cosplayer. Yeah. Yeah. Cosplaying your uh like your roommates or your buddies or girlfriend or boyfriend that you're going with they might be a cosplayer too so like they may have an extra luggage as well so like you know things could add up really quickly in terms of uh space in the room Mm -hmm. um so there's a lot of experiences that are guided through the use of this they call it the data pad as we all know in star wars but it's basically there's an app that's specific to syncing up everything on your two-day stay there at galactic star cruiser so there's that the, you, I guess you kind of catalog your quests or your little missions through the apps, through the app on the phone. Uh, I'll just call it the phone. And apparently, like I, this is again a little tech issue that could be easily fixed. But like it, it like was sending somebody like multiple messages that like didn't make any sense because they were like with interactions that they they didn't have with anybody. Again, this is a simple bug fix. It's not going to be anything that's like probably going to be there very long. Again, like. A lot of these media, this was also like a test run, so maybe they could kind of fix that in the next couple days. Um, so that's something that's a little bit more minor. Again, some of these things I'm going to talk about, very easily to be fixed. At least I think from my perspective, they can't be that difficult. Um, this next one might be a little bit more difficult. Um, the, the interactions, um, in, in a certain degree, are, are I know I, I said about the spontaneous things uh, on the schedule, uh, off the schedule. Are, are really good but i guess like some of the more planned things can be a little bit strange um for the fact that we got this whole thing promoted to us as like you choose your own adventure and what you do kind of molds the story but in reality it doesn't seem that way at all so like no matter what it seems like everybody's story is going to end the same way um, because you start with the atrium like introduction where everybody's like in this area and I guess the, the captain comes out or whatever, but then there's a finale and no matter what you do, I guess the finale ends this, you know, it's, 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 it's kind of lackluster in the fact that it's like, oh, you did all this cool stuff, but then we all like get the same conclusion basically. Um, it is worth noting that there's three different character paths. I guess you can call them classes if you want, if you're a gamer, video game, you know, uh, you got their first order person sympathizer. You got your resistance guy, and you got your your smuggler. Um, so I guess you're talking to different contacts in that regard. But the, the the thing is, people were a little bit underwhelmed that okay, whatever I did really didn't matter in the end. <laughs> yeah. So. Oh, wait. Yeah. Yeah. Like. Like. Um. Yeah. I don't know when it with that. Um. See, with that, I think, you know, like you said, with the tech stuff, it's easy fixes. And even with that, I think it's an easy fix as well. Like, you know, if you have the three classes, let's say, why not just have three different finales? Like, on in three separate locations at the at the, um, at the the hotel, whether it be at the, the Stark. Mm-hmm. Have another group have their finale over there. Have another group have their finale over wherever and you know just do something like that like that could be an easy easy fix yeah yeah i i 
again, uh, some of this stuff is probably going to get looked at with, with, with a fine tooth comb or whatever. And it'd be like, all right, we're hearing this. Let's change this around. Let's change this around. Let's change this around. And this is why, exactly why I didn't want to buy in right away. Um, we also have the connection. So that like connection between Galaxy's Edge and Galactic Star Cruiser. So you get your excursion, which brings you to Galaxy's Edge. It's kind of funny. They explain like, okay, you just go into a box truck, but apparently you can't tell it's a box truck because like you're entering from an angle where you can't tell, you can't see the outside of it. But it, basically, it's a 15 minute drive from there to the Galaxy's Edge, which is pretty neat because you're like you're immersed the whole time. You don't know you're ever really leaving technically. Um, but when you get there, you you get cool access to things like faster queue times on Rise of the Resistance and Smuggler's Run or whatever the other ride is called. Uh, for whatever reason, they don't let you go into Oga's Cantina like like instantly. I guess like um, you still have to wait in line to get in that one. But uh, there, there, there's supposed to be story connections with Galaxy's Edge and the Galactic Star Cruiser. Like the the whole missions are supposed to kind of intertwine. And apparently, like people just felt that they were a little bit lackluster as well. The the connection is just a little bit more surface level than they would have liked. Uh, bear in mind, a lot of these people that have been reviewing uh, Galactic Star Cruiser have been to Galaxy's Edge multiple times. Um, so the fact that they are at Galaxy's Edge for like a couple hours, a lot of them were like, hey, I just want to go back to the ship and explore. And I think that's something we're talking about for sure right now is just the amount of things on the schedule for two days is overwhelming as heck. Um, and we were talking about this before. Remember we seen the whole preview yep. a couple months ago? We were like, okay, this is ridiculous. And and apparently, like, people are missing out on, like, some pretty big things to do because there's just not enough time. And unfortunately, it seems like, um, the you know, Disney's response is, oh, you can come back again. It's like, wait a minute. I can only do this trip once in a lifetime. How am I going <laughs> to choose, like, the lightsaber training over the, the bridge control thing or whatever the heck it is? It's like they're assuming, oh, yeah, there's such great experiences. You guys could come back again and try the other way. It's like, yep. no, it's not that cheap for me to do that. <laughs> well, just, hey, I mean, it's shell out five grand. That's, I mean, it's, hey, I mean, who, who doesn't have five grand just laying around to go to Galaxy's Edge and this Galactic Star Cruiser multiple times a year to go and check it out? Like, like see, like that, that sort of stuff um, is definitely a red flag. Um, but then also... You know, like you mentioned, we we talked about as a concern leading into this months ago, the scheduling, the scheduling is such a uh, tricky thing because you go to it and it's an all day, like basically, you know, you're booked wall to wall for time and you feel pressured to have to do every single thing because if I'm paying five grand, I'm going to do everything. But you do want some like free, like basically recreation time, like spread throughout the day or something. Maybe they should have made it three days. I mean, of course, yeah. people would have been even more over the wall, off the wall because then it would have been even more money. But it's it's it, it's pretty bad when in, one example was given where uh, the one reporter was basically at dinner and had to leave dinner early to make it to the, the, the finale celebration that was scheduled at the same time. So stuff like that, where it's like you, you feel stressed out because you're worried about this. You're, that's You don't want to have to do that with a vacation. And, and, and probably the most epitome, the epitome of the whole situation of, of what explains and describes what's going through people's heads 
is I've heard on multiple accounts, like, going to this thing was so tiring, so taxing, because there's so much to do that people just, like, wanted to collapse when they got out of this thing. One, one example was the, 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 the one report said it was almost like going to San Diego Comic-Con for all five days, and it was only two days long. And I kind of personally have that experience because I've been to New York Comic-Con every, you know, every year, and I go for four days, and by the fourth day, I'm drained mentally and physically, and I'm just like, I, I don't know if that's a great thing to be going on with people reacting in that way. Like, that... that there, there, there's obvious pacing issues, and it's just, there's a lot more things I want to talk about, but while we're on this topic, I figure we'll just dwell on it for, for a little bit, because this is yeah. definitely one of the biggest glaring problems that I've been seeing, is the pacing of this whole experience is just way too much. Like, I get that this is more active, but there there should be, at least like you said, a little bit of downtime here, because like the exploration is almost gone, because you're going here, going there, going there, and just worried about something coming up all the time oh yeah like that's that's a big big thing when it comes down to it like is the whole um i guess i would say like overloading your senses like just mentally physically like you know it's just draining and you know like you said when you go to something like a comic con or, or even if you're on like an extended vacation you know by the end of your vacation you're like okay let's let's wrap it up i'm ready to get home and like be at my own, you know, climb into my own bed type thing. Like everybody has that feeling, you know, you get back from a long vacation and when you lay down in your bed, you're like, ah, it's nice to be home. And like hearing those type about uh, that exact same problem is basically the overload of the schedule and it being so uh, high paced basically. And something like this you know, you want to take your time and explore it. Like, like, don't get me wrong. It would be great if this was like, I don't know, a five day excursion, but only being two days, like it's not enough time in my opinion. Yeah. And, uh, we have Jesse Bennett chiming in. He's saying from everything I've heard, quote, if you want to experience everything, it's going to be about six visits. That's that's 30 grand. Wait, actually, hold on. Think about this, Chris, too. If, if, if you're a, let's just say, couple, add in two grand per visit plane tickets, that's that's like $42,000. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That is absurdity. Absurdity. That's for two days. For actually, no. So that would be 12 days. 12 days is about 40 grand probably with plane tickets. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I wish I wish Milt I wish Milt was here to hear this one. I oh. know. I was kinda hoping when I started making my, my list here if things were going through he would just be having a ball with this. But anyway, oh, getting back to it. Let's yep. let's talk about those experiences that I briefly mentioned. Um the two biggest marquee ones are the bridge control and the lightsaber training. I'll start with the bridge control. So and I'll talk about the location because this is one of the biggest negatives I've heard is the, the location of certain areas on the ship, including the bridge, look way too sci-fi. Like, I get it. Like, like this is a very high clientele starship in the Star Wars canon timeline. It was made during the High Republic. 
by this Anzellan guy that looks like Babu Frick's ancestor, pretty much. And it's supposed to be, like, a glitzy, like, all this kind of stuff. And we've seen a couple locations, like Kanto Bight and the location on Solo with Dryden Valsa's yacht and all those sorts of places. We've mainly seen stuff in Star Wars. Our, our brain, when it comes to Star Wars, is mainly to look at the, the dinged and dingy and dirty and dented up and oil stained kind of environments and, and gadgets and different things like that and well this bridge looks nothing like that um the fact is the bridge doesn't the the, the controls that you're interacting they're, they're very there's not enough buttons it doesn't look like there's as many greeblies as we would expect as we have all those little details and things the millennium falcons control board stuff like that like it's very just generic as i think you would say before like sci-fi so yep. that to me is 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 not the best, but I I understand what they're going for, right? They're trying to add another element to Star Wars, be like, hey, like what happens when we have something that's not like that, something that's brand new, but it's for most people they they equate Star Wars to that that used uh, universe. Um, and other than that, it's basically I guess a lot like the Smuggler's Run ride at Galaxy's Edge. I still haven't been there yet. And I think that's just basically just hitting a bunch of buttons. There's not anything, not anything too complex from that. It's also pretty long. I think I heard that somebody say it was like 45 minutes long. So yeah, there's cool stuff happening and I didn't read the spoilers or anything. I guess you could find that somewhere about what actually is happening in the story at that moment. Cause there is a story there, but it just seems like, okay, we're just kind of, we're kind of pressing buttons and uh, watching stuff that's already supposed to happen, go up on the screen. So I, I'm not sure if that's, if that is as as grand as they first kind of touted it to be um, when I first seen it. Yeah, yeah, well, that makes, I mean, you know, we meant, we talked about it opening this show, like, you know, there was a lot of things like the bridge specifically that look kind of generic. Um, and it just, you know, like, like you said, Star Wars, of course, you're, you're going to have ships like this in Star Wars with like a newer look. <clears throat> excuse me, you're going to have, you know, a newer look to ships and things in Star Wars. That makes complete sense. But when it comes to, like, the big wide audience or people that would be viewing this as a potential, uh, I guess you would say a theme park slash cruise going experience, if you ask any average star, average, average person walking down the street, what ship do you identify as Star Wars? They would say the Millennium Falcon, most likely. Or they would identify the picture of the Millennium Falcon. Um, just because that's like iconic, it's dirty, it's dingy, you know, like that sort of feel is what fans have gotten used to over the last 40 some years. So it's just, it's a tricky situation they're in of trying to balance between, you know, yeah, we get what you're trying to go for with like the new feel to it. But, you know, you also have to realize when it comes to marketing and stuff, like that's an important detail is like the whole used feel to it. i mean heck that's why people criticize like the prequels you know because the mm -hmm. prequels felt too new and it all this like you know you know the ship almost has like a prequel vibe to it but when it comes to like the customer base i feel like you should be aiming more toward uh like an original trilogy like an used beat up vibe and i'm not saying that just because i love the ot it's just i think that would work better for the overall potential customer base yeah so again 
like maybe they should have done a little bit more research and be like, hey, crowds would have responded more focus testing, you know, crowds would respond more if we have this kind of design versus that. You don't try to pave new ground, new territory um, with something as expensive as this, I feel <laughs> like. So, yeah, well, well that, that's the big thing with with such an expensive thing, even if they want to change it up it's probably going to be years from now before they do just because, you know, they just invested all this money into it. They have oh, yeah. to, re, you know, they have, they have to let their um, return on investment happen. So they still have some time to do that. Um, side note, my, my cousin actually went to galaxy galaxy's edge and he loved the millennium Falcon ride. Like he was oh. going crazy about that. Like he said, you know, he was like freaking out because he was, you know, got to fly in like the pilot seat and all that. And, oh. you know, he had a good, he had a great time with that. Like he was sending me Snapchats and I was like, dude, that looks awesome. Like he, he loved that. So that is actually a positive review from Galaxy's Edge at least. Yeah. Oh yeah. I've heard nothing but great things about Galaxy's Edge. Like I yep. haven't really ever heard anything negative about that. It's been glowing reviews. And like I said, I'm hopefully going to be able to go, um, during celebration in May, so that's coming up. Yep. Uh, but let's talk about the other thing here. And we already kind of briefly mentioned this, so we're not going to spend a whole lot of time. Is lightsaber training? It just it looks just I don't know if this was the best idea they could have done for like like when you think of lightsaber training, why not just hire somebody to just be an instructor and you fight against them? We've done this at Comic Cons. For years, I've been involved where they have a panel room, and it's like, okay, go in this room, and and you know the official saber guild is going to show you how to use a lightsaber for choreography. That is so much cheaper than trying to figure out how the heck this freaking technology is working. That is just so out of touch. I feel like, oh, I'm just sitting here blocking laser bolts. Like, how is that really that fun? And and speaking of fun. I picked a clip from an article, and I have to go back and, and find this, this exact thing I wrote to you earlier today, because <laughs> I have an exact quote that I'm going to read out about this one, because this is just too funny here. Um, this is, I believe, coming from GameSpot. Yep, GameSpot. Um, this has to do with uh, what, what, you know, what doesn't work, appeals to children of certain ages. Um, this is a uh, quote. Lightsaber training on the surface seems like the most exciting activity of the experience. However, within 10 minutes of the lesson beginning, three different kids under 10 years old in my group had given up and walked to the back of the room. One took a nap while two others played in their on their phones. Kids who looked to be over 10 fully embraced the experience, though. So... Again, I, I think this experience was way too long because I also think this was about 45 minutes or an hour. Uh, and it's just like, if it's literally like, okay, one person at a time, go up to there and block a couple bolts for five minutes and then walk back and wait for the other person to take a turn. I don't know if that's exactly how it goes, but I would be a little bit bored too if that was the case. Oh, man. Yeah, when I when I got reading into that, I was just like... Are you kidding me? Because, you know, as you mentioned earlier, as you mentioned um, before you got into that quote, you know, at Comic Cons and things, they just will have people just straight up show you how to use a lightsaber, has you use a lightsaber or a saber, or whatever, you know, that sort of thing. Like, why not, you know, try to try to like take off the bells and whistles of like, you know, the technology and all this stuff. Just hire, like, why not just hire a martial artist 
or someone who's like skilled with saber work or, you know, have them copy the styles from Star Wars, the different like say, hey, this is the form Obi-Wan uses. This is what Mace Windu uses. This is what Darth Vader uses. And then do a few test run examples and then get some sparring sabers, you know, however they would want to do it and have people just spar around. And, you know, I feel like that type of interactivity would be more fun because people would be able to like, oh, I'm, you know, like if you, me and Milton went, we could, you know, I could have a double bladed lightsaber and you guys could be like, fight me like Darth Maul and Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan or something like, you know, versus just going up and waiting and waiting, you know, waiting on other people. Yeah, because I've I've had some of the f- most fun when I first started going to conventions. Like, they, I would love those panel rooms. It's like, all right, you, you go into this room, you pick a partner, then you go have fun. You, you you listen to the instructor. He says, you practice this move on you. Do this, do this. Like, that is such a low-budget thing to do. And the fact that everybody would have a pretty good quality lightsaber, and most people are probably being, like, a cool, like, costume or something. I could see people just, like, glowing about that experience, just coming back to their friends and be like, hey, I was fighting with with other buddy, like, you know, different apprentices or, or initiates in the Jedi. And, and another thing is with the story, it was a big misstep. They apparently didn't explain because there's other people that are helped, the cast members helping you in that lightsaber place are, uh, they use lightsabers, obviously. So their story, they don't explain in the actual crews, like what their deal is. Like, it's like, wait, are these people force users? Because everything here is on can is in canon. This is between the last Jedi and the rise of Skywalker. Why are, why are these other people and show me how to use a lightsaber? Who are that? And apparently that's never explained, but it was only explained in like a press briefing release to the people going. So they never actually explained that like, okay, why are these people using lightsabers? They shouldn't be force users, but apparently they're like descendants of the guardians of the wills from Jedha. And they have like, they know how to use the sabers, but they're not quite like force. It's like, I would have liked to like learn about that at the actual place on my own rather than like read some article somewhere about what they are doing. <laughs> exactly that or um heck i mean you know talk about lightsaber training and this sort of like training stuff like you know you we've seen the obviously um like the animatronic hondo that's out there um like when it comes to those type of things why not have an animatronic yoda like giving his whole spiel about like you know talking like when he's talking to the younglings about the force and attack of the clones like do something like like you know, do something like that, like, just make it more interact, more interesting, because, like, what I've seen about the lightsaber stuff, I'm not really that interested in it. It's like, eh, whatever, and, you know, like we talked about, I think it would just be a much more fun experience, and, you know, you, me, and Milton, we say it every week, Star Wars fans aren't that hard to please, like, give us some action, give us some lightsabers, give us some blasters in the Force, and we're good, and, like, this type of a thing I think they overthunk it when, you know, your solution, I feel like people would have a great time with that. Like go in there. Hey, you can fight your best friend, you know, after training with an instructor for like 20 minutes or something like, Hey, have fun with it. And then, you know, they would probably be, like you said, high quality lightsabers or at least quality enough and, you know, dim the lights and turn on the lightsabers and have a blast. Like I think that would be more fun, honestly. And heck, if you want to get really into the, potential like marketing and fun side of things do have a lightsaber combat room like that but make it where it's like a room like you see it like a trampoline house or something so you know you could force jump or something you know what i mean like something like that like more interactive like i think that'd be actually man 
man, we have a million dollar idea right there. Four, you know, trampoline lightsaber fighting. Let's go. Oh my like, gosh. Just, I think that'd be a blast though. Like that's that sort of stuff. And then, you know, we have this and like that idea is so simple, but I guarantee you people would have a blast with it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just like, I could see kids loving it. You, you, you introduce some kind of trampolines and like actually like fighting with sabers rather than just blocking little bolts. Like they're going to love that. And it really comes down to what George Lucas aimed Star Wars to be at like the 10 to 12 year old kids or whatever. And if this experience is not even satisfying them, at least at this level, they might love the other stuff. But this experience is a lightsaber. If you're not getting a kid to be involved and happy about a lightsaber and they're looking at their phones and, and taking naps, like, that is a failure. Like, I can't put it enough understatement. Like, that is a failure on their part to think ahead. And because and, and, that's what you're trying to appeal to. His kids, if they're not if they're not enjoying it, then what's the point? Star Wars oh, it, is mainly for kids, you know. Oh, exactly. Well, that's that's another um thing, another interesting point. You, you you bring that up that reminds me. So, what if a kid goes to this experience when they're like 10, 11, 12 years old, and they don't have a great time with it? They grow up, and you know, 10, 12, 14 years later, when they're in their twenties, they look back and they're like. I didn't really enjoy that place. Why would I take my significant other or friends or kids or why would I go back? Yeah. Um, so, so going further, another thing that was made, another point here, um, the fact that we're, they're just not enough characters, man. There's like, maybe they literally counted like there's five characters. Okay. Not including Chewie. That's like six, um, original characters, right? It's like, you just don't have enough alien droid characters now the now the the there's a rhodian singer and apparently they did a really good job with her like she has like a fully articulating like moving like snout and stuff as we know what rhodians look like um so that was really cool but the fact that they have a single droid in the whole place is kind of a shocker to me like come on like just get the droid building guys over there and, and pay them some money that you know the official group that makes the droids a celebration like they don't it's not that hard according to them to like just mass produce a bunch of them right so i don't know that's that's you you expect like to see droids rolling through the hallways you know twi'lex and nikto and every possible kind of you know it's it's disney they could just concoct these things like nothing i don't i don't get how how they could just not have more than like five aliens now granted and this is kind of a a positive i guess at the same time is that like they encourage the people to be dressed up? Now you don't have to be, but that's gonna make the 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 experience a little bit better, a little bit better. So I guess maybe Disney's banking on oh you'll see other people that are aliens and stuff like that. So that's fine, but but still, I mean, come on, like just a couple more aliens. And I think that was one of the the first criticisms of Galaxy's Edge was like there's just not enough of that interaction of like cool different like people in the Star Wars universe walking around. And I see all the stormtroopers, and that's awesome. But hey, you know, get a couple aliens walking around there. Get a couple droids just like kind of mindlessly rolling around, and we don't know how the hell it's happening. You know, so that's that's another big one that I've seen so far. Oh yeah, like see that sort of thing would be really cool. You, you know, like you said, I've seen that all over as well. And I think you know another it, that's an easy solution. Like all you have to do is just add more droids, add more aliens. Like 
that's all you have to do. It's not, and I'm sure, you know, Disney has the, the money for it. Um, so like, why not do that? And then boom, it makes your experience that much more memorable potentially than feeling, you know, leaving the park and having, or the hotel and having, having an empty feeling versus like, oh man, I saw all these aliens. I saw these droids because when it comes to droids and aliens and things like that, you know, I mentioned earlier, my cousin went to galaxy's edge and he took a picture with a life-size like BB-8 droid and he was like, holy crap, dude, look at this. It's like oh. the actual BB-8. Like, and you know, he was sending me pictures of things like that. And I'm like, dang, that stuff's awesome. Like, and you know, people love when they, when they see those type of droids or, you know, I'm sure you've seen it at different comic cons, you know, when people have those cool costumes, you want to take the pictures and post them to your Instagram or Snapchat or Twitter or wherever, like people like that's the thing, you know, they want to take selfies with those droids and characters and stuff. And that's free marketing for this Star Cruiser. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there, there, there's that. We also have the fact that this is the big, this is the last, the last point I'll, I'll make it and I'll kind of go over the last thoughts on this whole thing. I wasn't expecting to take this much time talking about it. It's almost an hour <laughs> over already. Um, but... Uh, the, the, the size and the layout of the ship seems a little bit underwhelming. Like, people are like, oh, yes, yeah, you know, the size of the actual ship, it's relatively small compared to, like, a hotel and stuff, like, general hotels and stuff like that. Um, and even things like the atrium, I heard, and, and things like even the ceilings are kind of, like, lower. So it's like the scale of it is just a little bit off. Um, kind of the presentation... Like, the finale, I, I heard it's, like, very awkward because, like, you're trying to watch something and everybody's, like, on the same standing room or something. So, it's, like, people that are shorter are, like, trying to see above somebody's shoulders to see something far away that's happening, you know, far further away. And it's just a little bit of planning that could have been done better for things like that. Um, so, yeah, the overall scale of the ship is just a little bit on the smaller side. Um, but, and again... Obviously, I haven't been there yet. Ben hasn't been there yet, so I'm kind of just like making making my speculation based off things I've read. Is most people when are you know that's the biggest question, right? Is is this thing worth the five thousand plus dollars for two nights? And the simple answer is probably not for like ninety nine percent of most people, and that definitely skews a lot because. Most people say they do not recommend this for anybody that is not a huge Star Wars fan to begin with. Um, if you are just like going because you're a friend of somebody that's a huge Star Wars fan or your significant other is a huge Star Wars fan, you're probably going to be like, why the hell am I here? Because most of the stuff is inside baseball and you're not going to really get your enjoyment out of it unless you're really in the know. And another thing is too. And this is what separates Star Wars fans right here. Uh, separates the hardcore and, and the hardcore RPers, right? Or RPGers. Um, even if you're a huge Star Wars fan and you're not incredibly, you know, if you're if you're an introvert, you don't want to, like, interact with the cast members. You don't want to, like, dress up. You just want to go there, experience a couple things, Maybe take a nap in the middle of the day, stuff like that. Maybe have a couple of drinks at the bar. This is not for you. Like, like you can go, but you're probably going to like waste your money in that regard because where the, the value comes in is living the Star Wars experience, being in full costume, 
being like in that hardcore role-playing thing, talking to as many people as you can, having those conversations. This is where I say this is for like the 1% population of the Star Wars fans right now. Um, because A, you have to have the money to shell, and B, you have to be able to really get the most out of this thing for you to feel like it's valuable. Um, so if that's the case, if you are going in all in on this thing, then you can justify it yourself. And it's, it's going to be a very subjective thing. Everybody's going to be like, hey, was that worth it? No, or this was worth it. Everybody's mind is obviously their own. So all those answers are going to depend on you. But from what I've read right now, you might just want to wait. You might just want to wait. You're probably going to have a better experience. Things we've talked about tonight, a lot of these negative things, there's some cool positive things, obviously, but a lot of the negatives, I think the kinks can probably most likely be worked out if you just give it like two, three years, maybe. I don't even know. I, I, I'm i just throwing random numbers out there because who knows how long things like this will adjust, but those are my thoughts, so probably not worth the money right now. Yeah, like I, I definitely agree with you on that. I agree with um, just about all your points, really. Because, you know, when it comes to an experience like this, you're spending five, six, seven thousand dollars total going, you know, the travel, the airfare, you know, because most people probably don't live right next door to the park. So, you know, a lot of this is is um, travel intensive, to say the least. And then, you know, you go there and if you're not inside baseball enough, then it wouldn't be worth it for you. So, like, for example, me. Uh, me with my family, like me, my dad, my sister, her husband, and my niece, the only person that this would be anything, any of interest to in the entire family would be me. The rest of them would be like, wait, we spent five grand to come here. Like, what is this? We could have gone on a cruise or something, or we could have gone to see our relatives in Germany, for example. Like, you know, that sort of uh, thing, you know, with it being inside baseball and being that expensive, is such a red flag and you know they need to make it more toward the wider scoping audience versus you know to me it just feels like it's a th situation where it's the whole like you know build it and they will come type thing like slap a star wars title on it and you know the crowds will show up no matter what so like i just think they'll have to like improve on it and you know just take good critical feedback from people really and and that's that's the important thing, really, when it comes down to it. Is like as long as they take the good critical feedback, then it's totally fine. Like that's that's all that really matters. Is lo as long as they're getting the good feedback from people and like, oh, hey, maybe, you know, think about it in like seasons. Maybe next season they'll change this, this or that, or, or the following season this, this or that will get changed. Like that sort of thing. Yeah, and you know they're supposed to be doing that kind of thing with Galaxy's Edge, right? Like it's an on. They kept saying it's an ongoing story. This is gonna evolve. This is gonna evolve. Like I don't think that's still happened yet. And it's been how many years since twenty eighteen? Yep. Twenty. Uh, no, I went to celebration. So it's been like since twenty nineteen, I think, since Galaxy's Edge. So it's like, oh, yeah, I think it was like spring. I think it was spring twenty nineteen. Yeah, so I think it's I think. been just about three years now with that, and and we're still waiting to see that evolve. You know, maybe they'll go past the events of the Rise of Skywalker eventually, and then, well, then you won't be having stormtroopers walking around, I guess. So like, I don't think they could do quite that yet, but um, at least with the Galactic Star Cruiser, I feel like it's easier because they don't they don't need. To, I I don't know. It's it's a possibility, but. 
we're going to be talking about this probably in the future. We'll, we'll keep an eye out. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing what the general audience, the people that spend their, their hard, cold, you know, hard-earned cash on this. Granted, all these people that went did not spend a dime on, on their tickets. At least they had to pay for the drink. So keep that in mind, right? So we're going to see the real... The, the people that are going there, saving the money. We're, we're, I can't wait to see what their reactions are um, compared to all this. Because no matter what you say, people that are going free, they're also not going to be in the exact mindset. They're going to try to write as much as they can about what that would be like. And they have given us, I'm very thankful that they have given us such honest reviews already. So um, pretty cool stuff there. Let us know in the comment section down below if you guys plan on booking a stay at Galactic Star Cruiser. And uh, maybe we'll we'll talk about your adventures if you ever want to write to us about that. So there you go. But that was literally the first, just the first big story. We have a couple things left to talk about. A couple big things. First thing that came out on Saturday, IGN was hosting FanFest. And they had movies, they had TV, they had games on there. And they had a segment with LEGO Star Wars Skywalker Saga. And they had a nice lengthy discussion with the game director, I believe that was. But they also had like a five-minute dev diary. Do you want to talk about that a little bit, Ben? Because I know you you really enjoyed that. Yeah, I thought I thought that was great. Um, you know, it, it just really felt like the people, uh, like the developers. Yeah, I guess. Uh, how can I explain it? Um, so it felt like the developers had the feel for the fans of the game, if that makes sense. Like, you know, the, the people who've played the games before, like it felt like they had that, like, you know, they know what people enjoyed from the prior games. They, you know, innovated and made new things for this game. And like, you know, different, uh, different things showed they were like aware, like, you know, we just mentioned like with this whole experience at the star cruiser, like there's, too much inside baseball stuff like that's not being aware of your general of your target audience now for this lego game the developers are clearly aware of the target audience just uh you know based on the fact the way they talked about it uh the way they um you know we're talking about like integrating the new uh systems like the combat systems like for blasters and lightsabers and things like that obviously you know them bringing up mumble mode like that whole or that whole mode um was great just because you know they could have totally just forgot that and not even put that in this game but the fact they even brought that up they know the people that grew up on the original game like the very first uh the you know that game and the original trilogy game you know the characters didn't have the actors' lines like Harrison Ford's lines. It was just them going blah, 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 like mumbling. So like you know, the developers knowing fans appreciate those type of little details and including those type of things is a great, great, great sign. Like this game is probably going to end up being a really good game just because they're so mm -hmm. toward their target audience. Oh, yeah, you can tell I love these kind of videos because, first of all, I always like seeing the yep. devs talk about their work, seeing them being very passionate about what they've done. And we know these people have been very passionate about what they've done because they've been working on it for <laughs> literally years. They've gone through with, you know, just building this game from the ground up, as you mentioned, new lightsaber combat, new range combat. They explain, like, why they would do that, why they're doing those changes. Mumble mode is just, like... They have so many like little cool like little additive 
things that you put into a game when you have time, right? Like those things wouldn't probably have made the cut if they put this game out two years ago, for instance. But, yep. you know, I think we're all going to enjoy it. It's so hard to like be like, ah, I'm I, I'm happy for a delay. Like most of the time, I'm a little bit bummed. I'm like, yeah, I want the game yesterday and I got to wait. But then it finally comes out. And, and, and when you see... Those little things that you were like, I never thought that would have been in the game, but they added it, right? All these extra characters. Yep. You have Psy Snoodles showing up. You have the, the freaking guy that's the blue elephant, Rax, uh, Max Rebo, right? You Max got all these, yep. You got all these little characters. You got Com even Commander Cody. I mean, such minor character like Commander Cody gets his own little minifigure you can control. Like I think there's like over 300 characters easily in the game. Um, and well, I'm just yeah, kind of, yeah. Well, oh, just to hop in real quick, I was gonna say they said three hundred, like over three hundred minifigures. Uh, the one guy, the one developer said how many, uh, like how many thousands of sets they built total oh, yeah. for it, like like modeled out. It was like ten thousand total, ten or fifteen thousand total different models throughout the entire game of Lego sets. So like, like things like that, it's like holy smokes. Yeah, what really amazes me, and I keep forgetting that it's a Lego game. Funnily enough, because it's like. Yeah, this is just a cool design of the characters, but I realize like everything in the game is actually like as if you built it in real life out of Legos. Like I can't yeah. really fathom how they built this game because it's hard enough to make like an environment where you're just like building trees and buildings and they're like flat like objects or whatever. But in this case, they I guess they have to figure out how they're going to stack like the Lego bricks to actually make the object. So it seems like it's a whole nother like equation that they have to figure out when they're making a building or something like they're explaining like the, the, the fact that they made the Lucre Hall cr uh, cruiser that the show be one ship going up against. And it's like that would have taken like several million Legos in real life to make or something like that. Like that's that's just freaking insane. Yeah, like, well, exactly. That's that's the um, that was one of the most favorite parts of the video. It's like when he said like it would be a few million Legos to build that. It's like holy smokes, like <laughs> that, you know. And it and it puts perspective though because everybody who's playing this game has has had Legos in their lifetime. So it puts perspective. Like, oh, I have a Lego set that's like three thousand pieces, and this guy said this would take a million pieces to build. Like, that's crazy. So like those type of those type of details are really cool. And like when I got done watching that, um, it really made me think, man, I wish we had like an hour long uh, like like uh, whatever they're called Disney gallery thing behind the scenes on this Lego game, because I would like to see honestly how they make, you know, how they do all the designs like, you know, you know, with the computers and stuff like how they make the game like because i think it would be so cool just seeing how they come up with the models how they import them like those type of things like just the ground up type thing and heck with all the trauma this game's had i feel like it deserves a documentary yeah i they had a really good one with jedi fallen order if you got the deluxe edition they had like a good i think it was at least an hour long it was like as if it was like a film like they went through all the pre-production and production motion capture voice recording like the whole shebang as if it's like a movie documentary it's just a game documentary i think that'd be great to have for this i mean the more i look at this trailer and apparently i didn't notice this the first time watching it but they they actually have like layouts of the levels for like three of the movies and here i'm expecting like okay 
this is a this is a game that's gonna have to comprise itself of nine episodes of Star Wars films. Like, oh, they'll probably have maybe three or four levels per each episode. No. Like, I'm looking at the episode two. There's like, I think I'm if I'm counting correctly, there's 16 levels for Attack of the Clones alone. Like every main chapter you would expect, every action beat you would expect in that movie is made in Lego as a as a freaking level. Yeah, well, I noticed that as well, and it gave me gave me flashbacks to like the original Lego games, and it, it's gonna be it's really cool because movie or something. So like you know, 12, 14, 16 potential levels per movie. That's even more content than we've gotten before. So like, it's just gonna expand these games, make these games have such a longer shelf life, and you know, uh, I think we've talked about it before when we discussed this game. In my opinion, the best ver- the best uh, value of the LEGO games is the replayability because to actually fully beat a LEGO game, you have to play through at least two or three times like because you have to bring back different characters with you through the campaign. So I think that's a really great feature these games have. And like, you know, having this many levels, potentially 16 levels per movie, that's, you know, that's a whole lot of levels. That's like 154 yeah. levels probably. Gosh, I, um, yeah, I have a vacation day or two that I have to use before a certain date because it carried over from last year. And well, I think I might actually take that day on launch day, at least one of those days, because I can't wait to just sit here and just play from episode one, like for eight hours straight, for instance, and just like get up to get lunch at some point, get up maybe to work out, but have a whole day dedicated to just kind of taking it all in at once and maybe if i'm lucky getting through at least a prequel trilogy on the first day (laughs) yeah that's that's exactly what i'm thinking too like that day when that game comes out uh that's all i'm going to be playing for until it's fully beat basically now the only thing and you speak of playing a game the only thing that i'm concerned about is like they have not said anything about multiplayer and i know a lot of these games in the past they've had really good couch co-op multiplayer but, um, yeah, I'm a little bit concerned. Like, that's probably the only negative I'll have going into this if there's just no, like, interactivity, like, online-wise with, like, I guess maybe since it's, like, a whole new engine, maybe they just don't even have multiplayer at all. Yeah, it might not be able to, um, that might not be feasible because I'm not sure, do you have any experience with any of the other LEGO franchises currently? Like, do no. they have online multiplayer? No, I don't know. See, I'm not. I'm not sure. Um, I mean, I mean, I mean. If if you want, like, while I'm while I'm talking about, it, you can Google about the Marvel game, maybe, and just see. Um, maybe on Marvel Avengers, but like, yeah, like with the multiplayer thing, I feel like one of the best parts of multiplayer, you know, or one of the best parts of the Lego games is the multiplayer experience. Like you said, the couch co-op is a blast. Like that's one of the best parts of the Lego experience, in my opinion. I mean, I had. My good friend that I was uh, talk about, you know, me and him, we had many a summers when those Lego games would come out back when we were in like middle school and stuff. We would sit there and just play. <laughs> that would be our summer break. We would just spend basically summer break trying to fully 100% beat the Lego game because, you know, back on those old games, you'd have like a progress bar and it would be like true Jedi would be like the full progress bar. So like we would have to fully 100% collect every coin, build every mini kit, you know, do all the tasks, whatever. And 
you know, that was pretty much our summers through, you know, in, in uh, middle school back then was like we were hanging out. We, you know, we played through the prequel trilogy game then we played through the original trilogy. Then we played through the entire episodes one through six um, game like those, that was like a thing we did. That was like a tradition over the summer back in those years. Like and that's one of the best memories. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I didn't really so it, get to experience that a whole lot because I never really played this game until the Lego games until probably a couple of years ago, believe it or not. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, see? Okay, so yes. See, you're uh, you're not uh, living off like the nostalgia like I am. But uh, but yeah, back then, that was, that was one of like the most fun parts of the Lego games is like just, you know, playing it with your friends and stuff like a few of my other friends they were they loved the lego games and they would play them too back then and you know that was always such a blast like trying to fully beat those games with your buddies and uh yeah it was just a a great time in star wars gaming yeah another thing that's really surprising that they have here is they're basically having a battlefront mode from like 20 2005 in this game where it's Literally, if you're in space, like you can, you know, in free play mode or whatever it's going to be called, you're going to be able to like fly to different star systems and like go to the the space around the planet and like take out ships and stuff like that. And there could be capital ships like they showed an example of uh, somebody taking out this like the steadfast from the first order. And, and it looks like you have to take out certain hard points like you would in, in let's say, Star Wars Squadrons, the game. Um, so you take out some turrets, and stuff like that. Then you land on the actual ship. And I guess you destroy it from the inside out, a la Battlefront. But then there's also like yep. a um, like a leader that you have to take out. So they showed like somebody landing in his hangar bay. And like there's like a boss and like a, an ATST walking around the hangar bay, and they're just firing. I was like, now that is so cool because I love that kind of stuff where it's like, yeah, sure, I love the stories. Um, like the, the the obviously the 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 stories with the actual movies, but like having those extra things, you know, that they talked about having things like activities to do outside of the story having things you could do like on the planets like side quests like that is gonna be where you really get into the groove of the game and really discover something that's new that you haven't seen before yeah oh yeah that's that's one of the best parts of it like you know uh, as i mentioned like replaying the games through twice that's always a big thing and then now this game's adding the side quest as well like, that's one of the coolest parts of this. It's like, you know, you don't even have to play the actual quote-unquote campaign. You can just play around with the side quest here and there if you just want to do that. Like, that's that's one of the uh, most interesting parts about it. And, you know, I just think with a game like this, it's, it's really our first Star Wars game, open-world game we're going to be getting until that one that's coming out in the future. So this is our really our main chance of getting like into the star Wars universe, you know, that, that like, that's something I feel like fans just always want is mm -hmm. to get in and get involved in the star Wars universe and just go walk around. Like you don't even have to, you know, you could, we, us as star Wars fans, you could just give us a game with no campaign and just go explore the galaxy and have fun and people would enjoy it. Like, oh, yeah. you know, that's that, that sort of thing. Like, that's the type of game we've been missing. And this Lego game is going to be the closest thing we get to that for now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, th this I can't wait to just go walking around Coruscant. Because I said there's, like, Coruscant seems like it's pretty big, pretty large. Um, so 
I can't wait to just go around, discover things, maybe find a new character, like find a new ship. Like it looks like there was a logo of a B-Wing like in, in the Dagobah swamp or something. So it looks like you're going to be able to like unlock different things by finding certain areas like the, to explore. I love that kind of thing. Like those little like, collectible elements in games are always something that expands. The, the lifespan is so much longer of a game when you can go around and be like, 100% every little nook and cranny there. So um, and, and another thing added on to the story is they have gone gold. If you can believe it, the game is now being ready to be shipped. So the final code of the game is done. Now, that doesn't mean the game is completely like patch free. They'll probably put out a day one patch as most games do. But basically, long story short is the game cannot be delayed last minute. The game is done. They're happy with where it is. Hopefully they're happy with where it is. And it's ready to go out. Um, bear in mind, bear in mind, right? Big game, big game that went gold. Uh, that went gold. Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven. I remember that day. They were like, "We have gone gold," and it was like one month later when all hell broke loose. When this game's not ready for another year and a half, and we finally have it now, and it's actually good with the patch. But um, so just because it's gone gold doesn't mean it's free of its problems. So hopefully we have a, a nice smooth launch. Hopefully there's not a lot of glitches because I'm definitely not gonna want to wait another year and a half for this game to improve like Cyberpunk. <laughs> Well, Chris, you just you just built me up with the intro of what you were just saying right there. And I was like, yes, this sounds great. Blah, blah, blah. And then you bring up cyberpunk and I'm like, uh oh. So I I hope we're just in like the good side of things. Yeah, I, I was I was like, yes, you know, I'm I'm you know, I'm a I'm a gamer, but I actually had to look into what going gold means when you sent when you were uh, messaging about that. I might have to look up that, you know, before we had, had this podcast. And I was like, oh, let me see what that means. I thought it meant sales or something. And <laughs> I looked in. Uh, yeah, I looked. Well, because, you know, I think of like going platinum or something like with yeah, music yeah, yeah. or whatever. So I was like, oh, did they sell like, I don't know, 100,000 copies or like or something like that? And I looked into it. and was like, oh, going gold means it's like basically done. And I didn't even you know, I didn't see anything else about cyberpunk. Like when I was looking up the definition of that and then you just say that and I'm like, uh Oh, <laughs> so the jury's still out. We got until April. What is it? April 4th or April 5th? It, I, it, well, I think it's, I think it's fourth or fifth, whatever that Friday or Thursday is, I think is when it is. All right. Well, moving on. It's this yep. is the, Third week in a row, I believe we got news about the new Star Wars announced series in the High Republic about Stranger Things in Space, a.k.a. Grammar Radio. Um, we have a big report. This is a biggie here. We have talent, the talent behind the Spider-Man Homecoming trilogy. John Watts is in talks to direct at least one episode of the upcoming mysteriously announced Star Wars series on Disney+. This comes to us exclusive story from Discussing, discussing Film, which is a pretty reputable source from what i imagine um so that's pretty pretty cool to, to be able to have somebody as high profile as coming off of spider-man no way home which is like i believe at this point it's the third most highest ranked selling movie of all time at this point to have somebody of that caliber uh involved with star wars it's just nothing but great great credentials uh great it bodes well very much for star wars i mean we already have a huge guy from marvel in obviously john favreau and that's where this is also interesting because it's also it also mentions uh, John Favreau in this report. Um, 
so I will quote this. Uh, the currently unannounced series is going under the working title of Grammar Radio. They say rodeo. I heard radio before. I don't know what's going on with this title. <laughs> with production slated to begin this summer in Los Angeles. While we haven't been able to gather any concrete information on who will be writing this new project, we've heard from a handful of sources that John Favreau will be executive producing. Favreau, of course, is an executive producer and writer on The Mandalorian the book, Boba Fett, and will soon be additionally credited as an executive producer on Ahsoka. Okay, so th there you have it. Um, the John Favreau is involved. So is it a surprise? Kind of, especially considering this is not going to be in involved with The Mandalorian at all. Um... So that's pretty cool how, like, it's getting its stamp of approval from, from John Favreau. Obviously, they're going to want to kind of have the same elements that made that series so successful. They're going to try to get him to look at it and give him, uh, give it its props. But going back to the selection of John Watson, why I think this is a very good choice if it does uh, come to fruition is John Watts just did a whole trilogy on a movie series about young kids, young adults. So while this High Republic series is going to be skewed for the younger uh, generation of characters in the story. Yeah, sure, go ahead. This guy's already wrote about kids in high school. Now, it seems like these kids are going to skew a little bit younger than that, but still, nonetheless, they're, they're a younger generation. I think that's a, that's a pretty good thing if this does um, turn out to be true. What do you have to say about this one, Ben? Yeah, I mean, I think it's great. Um... You know, even before we found out John Favreau's involved, like just John Watts, like I think that's a great um, hire or like potential a person being involved, you know, for the reasons you just mentioned. I mean, he dealt with the Spider-Man trilogy. He dealt with, you know, younger people. He dealt with continuity of characters like carrying things over, you know, think of the Spider-Man movies like as episodes, you know, carrying things over episode to episode. He did really well with that. So that'll that'll work. I think that'll translate into a series like this. So that's a good sign. And uh, yeah, I, th I think he'll do a good job with it. I mean, if you think about it, like the younger characters he was dealing with, whether it be Peter or uh, or uh, his friends, like those type of characters, like he did really well with them. So, you know, you would presume he's probably going to do well with the ones that are involved in this series. And I think it's um it's a great sign. And then of course, Favreau being involved is a really great sign. And I think the more and more we hear about Favreau, I really feel like he's transitioning to he's almost overseeing all the Disney Plus series. Like because I was reading some stuff the other day. Like apparently he's potentially overseeing a little or like checking in some of the stuff with the Kenobi series, or he did. Mm. So like you know. Just hearing those type of little things, it feels like he's just kind of, you know, almost transitioning to where he's like kind of the producer or like executive overseer of the, the series as a whole on Disney Plus, which I think is a great thing. So, you oh, know, yeah. having that, yeah, having that paired up with John Watts, like it's I think that's a a, a formula for success, basically. Oh, yeah. Um, so so there you go. We got the stamp of approval from. John Favreau. It's just they keep saying it's shooting in the summer. I don't think we've had a project in Star Wars. Correct me if I'm wrong. That has not been announced, but is shooting within months, like this close. Like, what are they gonna get ahead of this? How how many weeks are we gonna get rumors that are so you know credited by official sources 
before they just acknowledge the darn thing already. It's like imminent. Like I feel like either next week or the week after they're going to just have to come out. Like they can't come out at celebration and announce this thing cuz it'll be shooting like probably within weeks at that point. I wouldn't I wouldn't think they could possibly keep the secret that long if, well, they, if that was the case. An easy way to do that. I mean, just just let the rumors continue to swirl as they are and then have celebration come around like when you're there and everybody's there. I don't know, dim the lights and turn on a screen and have John Watts and some of the cast going, hey, guys, we're filming here in a week, blah, 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 blah. Like, you know, just one of those type of like standard, like checking in from the director type things like do something like that. And that's how you announce it to the world. No, I, I know something better. Maybe. Celebrations going to be taking place literally miles away from it's technically Los Angeles. It's going to be in Anaheim, which is a suburb of L.A. Just have the whole cast just walk. Hey, like, like have the panel called Unannounced Star Wars Project come out, like, show the title of the thing and be like, well, here's the cast and a director and a writer. So I'll talk about it right now. Like, wouldn't that be crazy? I don't know if they could actually do something like that. Like, the logistics of, like, anything getting out ahead of time. Well, it's already gotten out. Why am I even saying that at this point? It's out there. The information's, like, from multiple sources that this is happening. But I just find it so curious, like, again, a lot of us uh, on social media are like, what? What is Lucasfilm thinking when they when they come up with, like, their plan for, you know, social media and everything else? Because most of the time, this stuff is getting well, out there beforehand. <laughs> well, that's the thing I don't get with it is, like, you know, we, we, always, we always complain, like, Lucasfilm's so secretive about things. And then have you noticed Marvel's, the way Marvel does things, if something leaks... They release it like that afternoon, it seems like. Basically. Like they just, they're like, well, it's out there. Let's release it the next day or this afternoon or something. Like, you know, they pretty much do it that way. So, like, I feel like Star Wars, especially right now, you know, we don't have any Kenobi trailer right now. We don't have any um, big news other than, I mean, I guess, I guess you have the Star Cruiser news. So maybe the next two weeks, the Star Cruiser um, potentially related stuff. Maybe in three weeks from now, announce this series like why not like what else do you have to lose like i just i don't see what the value is of keeping or you know it'll be like the the um what's like the saying like like when you when celebration comes around it'll be like the worst kept secret for star yeah. wars type deal like everybody will know it yeah i feel like I, I feel like they've done stuff like that in the past for like whoever's announced this thing at celebration was like yeah we know you already know or comic-con they'll say that they'll be like yeah we know you've heard the rumors we're, we're announcing it now officially or some tongue-in-cheek kind of remark about everybody knows. Here you go. But uh, there you go. That's the latest on, on I guess it's called Grammar Rodeo <laughs> for this week on our Grammar Radio Rodeo Watch, I guess we could call it here. <laughs> we'll see what we have to talk about next week. Uh, but we still have two more stories, two publishing stories that came in at the ninth hour for, for today, in fact. Um, we have the Star Wars Insider has been publishing their their little short stories, their original short stories um, ever since. They took a break, but then with the High Republic, they started off this series called Starlight, which is a really cool series that ended up. Obviously, if you know what's going on in the, in the High Republic, you know why they can't literally have these stories going on. There's no more Starlight Beacon. It is destroyed. It is absolutely demolished and melting right now in the bottom of a planetary lake. But uh, so now to keep obviously subscribers subscribing, they have more short stories, but these are pretty cool because these are four short stories they're going to be doing starting in March that are revolving around Attack of the Clones because would you believe it? 
It is the year of the 20th anniversary of Attack of the Clones. One of my favorite Star Wars movies. Oh, dang. Yeah. Is that I crazy? Didn't, I didn't even think about that. That's that's crazy. I still remember going to theaters and watching that on opening night uh-huh. when I was in like, I don't even know. I don't even know what grade, like third grade probably. <laughs> so we have four short stories. The first one I'm really excited about. Um, we have author S.T. Bendy. Um, he's doing a tale about Zem Wessel and Django Fett before their partnership turned uh, toxic. He's saying, oh, that's, I, I get that. I get that whole thing now because I was reading that. That's a little little joke there. Little joke. Nicely. Well done. Um, so it's a story about Django Fett and, and Zam Wessel. And any Django Fett story, especially any Zam Wessel story, we haven't had any Zam Wessel like canonical story yet. And what I go back to every time when I think of Zam Wessel is the Bounty Hunter video game. And about like you get that bond and that partnership in like one of the levels with Zam Wessel on, on this hunt or something like that. Like, yeah, where are our stories about Zam and Django? Like, they have such a cool camaraderie as bounty hunters in the underworld. And let's see more about that. So it's great that Lucasfilm is finally, like, you know, pulling back the curtain, so to speak, about, hey, let's let's see what, what they're doing in that story. So are you ready for a Django-fed story, Ben? Oh, yeah. Always ready for Django-related. Um, see, like, that type of stuff is interesting to me. You know, Django-fed is great. Like, like that's the... That's, uh, you know, we need more of him. Yeah, hey, we got Milton chiming in. He's 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 here, but uh, he's definitely going to be with us next week. But, uh, oh, yeah, he's saying he also agrees, you know, Attack Clones, very underrated prequel film. We did our commentary on that film. Uh, we have more commentaries coming pretty soon, by the way. If no big breaking news happens in the next couple of weeks, we'll see. We'll see. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, cool, cool to see our co-host showing up. All right, so... Um, going on to the next the next story or the next tale in the, in, in this series here, we have Richard Dinnick chronicles General Grievous's mission to retrieve a Jedi artifact. I guess this counts as Attack of the Clones. I mean, yeah. he's really introduced to Revenge of the Sith, but technically you could say, oh, well, he was in Clone Wars. So, I mean, I guess maybe this is going to be one of the first Grievous tales. We got to get the Grievous canonical story of how he becomes Grievous. Like, give us a little bit of something. We got a comic that kind of showed us a little bit, but I want like a full-fledged like novel on General Grievous at this point. Oh, yeah. Well, Grievous is such an interesting character. Like, I feel like, you know, of course we know his backstory through Clone Wars and the Tartakasi Clone Wars and all that stuff. But on screen, like in live action, we barely know him. He comes in He's kind of a cool villain. He fights Obi Wan, and then he gets killed. So, like, it would be, you know, it's gonna, be, it would be great seeing more and more of what we, uh, you know, more and more of, uh, of Grievous, basically, like that through little backstories, and like you said, finally figuring out what his canon backstory actually is. Yeah, another one we have here is from I think a fan favorite. I think a lot of people would say they love Dexter Jexter. This character is yep. big, grimy, kind of bestless forearm chef that has some good history with 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 good old Obi Wan. And um, let's not mention that Obi Wan's going to be involved with this, but we just know that George Mann, who's no stranger to Star Wars, is writing the for, uh, the the short story for the Dexter Jester uh, story there. But yeah, I, I do want to get that story on like when did they first meet up? Like what were they doing as far as like what how did their paths cross? Uh, it's not going to happen in a short story, but I think that's some cool fertile territory for some more Obi-Wan backstory, at least. 
Oh yeah. Like, like that, um, you know, like you said with, with him and Dexter, Dexter, like that's such a good, um, relationship. Like, you know, they obviously have a good relationship. We don't really have that explained through really much of anything like on screen. So it'll be great getting more and more about him and uh, Kenobi as well. Yep. And the last one we have here, this comes from Rodney Barnes. And this is a Mace Windu story. And this one in particular is going to be about him and a group of clone troopers going after a deadly enemy. And that's all we know about this one. But yes, more canonical Mace Windu stories. There's a great um, Shatterpoint novel that I read recently. That's a Legends. You can get it in the uh, Legends collection that they're releasing with really neat novel covers. But they also have an unabridged audio book that I was listening to to experience that story. And Mace has such a really cool, like, dark kind of past. And he's got these different kind of behaviors that make him very different for a Jedi. And, I mean, we got that that comic miniseries, which did a decent job of diving into him. As a whole, I really didn't like the, the miniseries. But I think as far as, like, seeing a different lens of Mace, I think it did a really great job. So, again, just more evidence of, of, of Mace Windu. Maybe it'll give us a little bit of a peek at his past some more and different things like that i'm 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 here for another mace windu story that's for sure oh yeah it's always great getting mace like you know we always talk about him i always joke around how he needs to pop up in boba fett or the mandalorian or something but like you know the more canon stuff about mace the better in my opinion just because it gives us hope for a potential you know storyline with him down the road but also He's another character that I feel like needs to get fleshed out a little more. Like, what's made Mace become the Mace Windu we see? We first get introduced in, you know, episode one and two and three. Like, what? How does his character arc and like getting more of it like in the Clone Wars era um, is is really cool in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. So, so there you go. Those are the short stories that are going to be taking place because we have a little bit of a break on the High Republic right now. I don't know for sure if we're going to get more High Republic short stories again in, in, in the Insider Magazine once Phase 2 rolls around in October. The jury's still out on that, but at least we know for the entirety, of, for a good portion of spring into summer, we're, we're going to be getting some Clone Wars era stories um, in Star Wars. Remember, we have Queen's Hope coming out this year, which is also good. It got delayed, but it got delayed into the year of celebrating Attack of the Clones, so that's kind of neat how that happened, but we got that. Looking forward to another obi-wan story we have coming out we got the padawan the star wars padawan novel young adult from lucasfilm uh disney lucasfilm press we got a official cover art for that it looks pretty neat like this is such a young adult type of novel as far as the cover is concerned it it's a little bit more i don't want to say cartoon a little bit more animated it's not as like your you know it's not your realistic representation of obi-wan um, but I do like the design. It kind of reminds me of like more of like the High Republic concept art kind of look to it, where it's obviously a little bit less, less like live actiony. Not that that's an actual word or anything, but <laughs> I, I, I do like the look of Obi-Wan. It's very nostalgic seeing him as the younger Obi-Wan from a Phantom Menace with the braid and the shorter hair. So, yeah, I was just pulling up the image right here. Yeah, I, I, uh, yeah, I think that I think it looks fine. It looks it looks good. Like you said, it's more of like a more anime or not a like you said more of like higher publicy, uh, which is cool. 
I'm just interested to hear about like the storyline for it, you know, just to compare, like not to compare, you know, it's always hard to compare things to past legends books because, you know, we all enjoyed them uh, for what they were, but like the Obi-Wan Padawan, like the, the Jedi uh, apprentice series, like that's a classic, like anybody who hasn't read that before canon or not, like, even though it's legends, like that's a high recommendation on my list of books to read. And you know, getting more stories about Obi-Wan like this in the past is really good in my opinion. So like, I'm definitely interested in just seeing what this story is about and, you know, hearing more about it. Yeah. So basically the story goes, um, they actually have a synopsis on starwars.com. It's, uh, let's see, I can find, uh, I can find the actual explanation of what the story is about. I can read it to you guys. Um, okay. Uh, he was still very much a student insecure about who he was in the Jedi. He becomes Obi-Wan, grows angsty under his master Qui-Gon Jinn, who preaches patience and meditation and yearns for some Jedi action. But when it looks like they'll finally head out on a mission together, Jinn is a no-show. Obi-Wan goes off on his own instead, visiting a new world where he encounters a free-spirited teen group, possibly strong with the Force, who offer him a glimpse at a life that could have been, or could still be yet as obi-wan himself would later say something is out of place holy smokes you so you reading that chris no lie like that percent sounds like the ex almost like like right along the lines like like so the gist of like that first few kenobi books like kenobi Then, you know, back in those books, back in those days, like if the Jedi wouldn't, you know, get a master by the time they were a certain age, they would basically be get in a job placement program and the Jedi would put you somewhere. So like Obi-Wan got sent to a farming planet and, you know, he runs into like, you know, he basically runs into some younger people his age. Like there's a girl he like basically is falling in love with. And then, you know, in like the third, second or third book, Qui-Gon actually ends up on a mission on oh. that planet. And that's kind of oh, interesting. All you right. read that, and then like having the having the knowledge of those books where it's so similar. Wow. Yeah. I mean, we all know from a lot of the canon material that they do kind of cherry pick certain certain characters, certain little things here and there. But it's interesting that the stories can line up that much. Usually, the plots don't like become an adaptation of legends but it almost could seem like it's no. a semi adaptation <laughs> oh yeah that's original books like that is exactly i, I actually am really interested in checking out this book now just to compare it to the older ones you know because i enjoyed those ones so much and this one it sounds good like like because that's that's literally what happens like in, the, in those old books with Obi-Wan. Like I said, he runs into, a, finds a girl he's falling in love with. He has, a, he has like, of course, a couple of hey, buddies. Hey, Ben, your mic is going out a little bit. Oh, okay. Can you hear me now? Nope. You're sounding like a, you're sounding like a evil battle droid again. <laughs> so uh, moving on to the next story, the last Hello. story here. Okay, you're better now. Okay, okay, okay. Um, but yeah, so like what I, what I was saying was like, it's crazy. So like, you know, Obi-Wan basically finds this girl he's falling in love with on this planet. And then he has a couple buddies that are like, also 
you know, they got job assigned to this planet to basically be farmers and everything else. And then, like I said, Qui-Gon ends up going on a mission there because there's like a bombing and stuff. And they, uh, you know, they run into each other. And then like, you know, Obi-Wan is literally the hilarious part about it. Like you're reading that in those books, Obi-Wan is dealing with like the anxiety. Like he's thinking about how he failed it. Mm-hmm. Stuck being a farmer basically the rest of his life. And now he's trying to prove like when Qui-Gon shows up, he's trying to prove to Qui-Gon that he's like worthy to be a Jedi. And like, you know, he deals with this like angst, literally angst. He doesn't become Qui-Gon's apprentice. Like there's probably 20 books. He doesn't become his apprentice Bro. until like probably the sixth. Yeah. Yeah. He doesn't become his apprentice until like the 16th book. Probably. That's insane. Like, a, yeah. No, there's no, that many books in a series. Like, holy crap. Yeah. No, his character, him and Qui-Gon's relationship. because in some of those books like there's multiple chapters where Qui-Gon is not you know Qui-Gon's just off doing his own thing like you get a lot of Qui-Gon um, building in those in those as well so like you have those type of things and the fact that um, you know like I said the relationship is built that way so yeah it's just it's crazy hearing you like just read the synopsis of this new book coming out I'm like man this sounds like identical to these old books <laughs> well I hope that if that's the case, they they make a, a series of these books if they turn out good. I mean, this first book, yeah, I've I've never read anything by the author, so I'm I'm really unsure about the writing style and and everything. I I, I have faith, you know, they they usually pick pretty good writers for these Star Wars books. So, um, but I would like to see like a longer format story, kind of like another version of the High Republic, but like pick a character or something like this, and then go off and do like, you know, three, four, or five books, something like that. Oh yeah, so, well. Well, like having having those type of long form like pieces of content, like it helps the character so much. And like, like realistically, like me watching the watching the prequels and the original trilogies when I was younger, even even the Clone Wars series, like I didn't really really appreciate Obi Wan's character until I read that book series because it was like, oh man, like that really built his character out so well, and uh, yeah, you know, just get. Yeah, just like getting like a potential for it is so good. Uh, you know, it's such a big positive. That's the thing, right? Is these books can develop characters to the point where they actually make us appreciate the characters in the films more. Like, for instance, I'm going to shout out Dark Nerdy Gonzo. Shatterpoint will always be a high mark for Legends. The Best of Mace doesn't come from the movies, but from the epic book, Point Blank. I mean, you're just saying the same thing. Like, you like this character more because you read these books. And I, I could say the same for many, many characters. It gives you a different lens to appreciate them and see them in, in the actual story when you when you experience that again. Um, so closing the book on Obi-Wan, there's one last thing I want to talk about. Squeeze in for this unexpectedly longer episode with the amount of stuff that we have. <laughs> is we are getting a Mandalorian comic series from Marvel. It's an eight-issue series i believe it is eight issues here i will double check as i speak a little bit more about it but yes this was already announced a while ago i'm talking like years ago that they were like we are gonna do an idw series with my Mandalorian. obviously that's not happening idw is not doing that anymore um we are getting this and this and this and nothing ever came out of it including the novel um but now we're getting um this, this series here uh episode by episode adaptation okay Eight issues. This is going to be an eight 
an eight-issue series. Um, this is interesting because we don't know a whole lot about this. I will give the credit where credit is due as far as who is writing and who's the artist. We have Rodney Barnes. I just mentioned him. He's the one that's doing one of the short stories. Uh, but we also have uh, Jorge Genti on this one as the artist. But that's cool because we were getting... Every movie was getting a comic adaptation and it's like, okay, well, there's no movies anymore. What, what's going to happen? Oh, we're getting a comic adaptation of the series now. So is this a one-time deal? Are we going to just have like, oh, we're going to have this for the sake of having a sort of thing? Are we going to get a season two? And if we get a season two, does that mean we're going to get a Book of Boba Fett comic adaptation? What I want to know most about these is these are great to have on the shelf. They're great to like read through maybe once and then have them as a collection item for the most part. Um, but what really draws me in is sometimes they have like deleted scenes, if you will, or something like that, that, you know, expand a yep. certain scene out a little bit longer. And the fact that these are going to be based on each episode individually, and some of these episodes are pretty short to begin with. I wonder if they are going to, you know, pepper and maybe an extra long intro of a certain scene that we didn't see before or something like that. Some, some cool reference to something that, you know, we might know from another novel or so, you know, some cool stuff like that that's going to draw in not only like the, the, the mainstream audience in the comic book store, but the people that are collectors like, yeah, I want to get it because that that mentions this. So I'm excited about that. What do you what do you have to say about this one, Ben? Yeah, I think I think that's a really good point. I didn't even think about it until you mentioned that is like, you know, you want in these books and um, especially when they're adaptations, whether it be a comic book or a novel form. You want it to be basically replayable or uh, not replayable, more of like you, it has to add to the overall project that they're adapting. So, you know, you just don't want a carbon copy of the Mando, a Mando season one. Mm -hmm. It really didn't add to the story. But, you know, Star Wars, I mean, I guess it was a, a long time ago, no pun intended, but I guess a long time ago, you know, when they made the original Revenge of the Sith novel, there was so much stuff added to it. Like, you know, there was extended scenes of Palpatine talking. There was extended scenes in the Jedi Council rooms. There was, you know, extended, um, you know, you get to you get to basically travel with Anakin to when he goes to confront Mace and the Jedi Council when they're fighting Palpatine. Like, you get those type of basically things versus um, versus not or even like in the A New Hope novel. When Obi-Wan meets up with Vader, like he he uh, he basically surprised in the A New Hope novel, like he's surprised at what Vader looks like. He's like, oh, whoa, like like this is what he looks like or this is what's happened to him. He was basically shocked. So, like, mm -hmm. you know, these type those type of little details are things that makes these novels or, or comic adaptations really good. But when you don't have those little details, that's when it's like, you know, like you said, it's oh, it's a cool one time read. But then it's more of a collector's item versus like, hey, I could read this again because it's cool because it's actually it's even though it's this the same project we've seen already, it's its own unique project because you're getting added things in it. Like, you know, uh, for example, like I said, the A New Hope novel comes to mind a lot because, you know, like I said, you have the Obi-Wan's point of view. You have extended scenes in the X-Wing pilot room before they're, you know, briefing for the Death Star, like those type of things are what adds value to those type of adaptations versus just being a straight up adaptation beat for beat with no expansion on it. Oh yeah. For instance, um, I've really liked the rogue one adaptation written by Jody Hauser, 
she had like really cool stuff with Saul Guerrero and Jyn Erso. Like she shows the scene where like Saul actually like leaves her behind and stuff and gives her like a dagger or a blaster or something. I forget what it was. He gave her a weapon to like basically protect herself and he's like, I'm out of here. See ya. And it was just like like cool like little moments like that 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 I always stand out to me as like, yeah, these these comics are their own medium. They could they could tell their own stories, you know, within the framework of the actual show in this case or, or movie or whatever. So, but this does kind of rub me the wrong way is because we still have an unfinished and unpublished adaptation. Say what you will about the rise of Skywalker. I know you guys don't like it. very Oh, I much, forgot about that. We were supposed to get that darn adaptation and man, oh man, did they have some really cool hints at what was going to happen? Cause they had the solicitations for like, episodes or issues two or three out even i think were, were like already solicited as coming out there they were going to talk talk about the eye of the webbish bog a little bit more like like cooler cool things that they were teasing so much and then out of nowhere the plug got pulled and now the fact that we're getting another adaptation and there's no acknowledgement of what even happened there's never been an official word why it got pulled i mean who knows there could be a hundred different explanations that people are just guessing to this day but it just rubs me the wrong way because as a collector myself, I'm like, yeah, I have the adaptations for every single movie with the comics, you know, Force Awakens, Rogue One, Last Jedi, Solo. And then it's just like, oh, I don't got the Rise of Skywalker and I guess I never will. So my collection will technically be complete in that regard because it just bothers me. It's like, oh, OK, now we're going to have every series. That I still will have Rise of Skywalker. Yeah, that's that's a good point. I forgot about that until you just brought that up. I mean. I mean, that's, I don't know, that's interesting. So, I don't know, hopefully they eventually do it just to complete the saga, um, which I think they will eventually. It's just it's just a matter of time, really. Uh, but, yeah, I don't know. It's just, uh, these adaptations are, are tricky, in my opinion, because they can either add a bunch of stuff, like you said, with Rise of Skywalker, potentially explaining more of the Eye of Wabish Bog, like those type of things, or it can potentially not really add much. So, it's great. It's a uh, it's great. Other projects we've seen so far have done it, and you know, hopefully this Mandalorian one though does it as well. Yeah. So that about wraps it up. I mean, we went one over. More... Oh yeah, go ahead. Oh. Go ahead. Oh yeah, I'll say one more. Uh, one more additional bonus headline for anybody anybody uh, listening or watching. So I'm not sure if you saw Bespin Bulletin report, but uh, so okay. Quick story. So for anybody who's, you know, just fans of movies and things in general, Star Trek's movie is actually getting released the same day, apparently, that Rogue Squadron is getting released in 2023. So, yeah, so that that came out. And then now on Disney's new updated slate, as of just in the last few days, on Disney's updated slate, Star Wars is still set to, or Rogue Squadron is still set to release in 2023, even with Star Trek coming out the exact same day. Like, Star Trek is scheduled for tw the 22nd of December of 2023. So, like, what, hold back up a second. So, so what's this website that updates, like, the productions and all that? It's, let's see. It's like it's an official thing that somebody found. Yeah. Yeah, it's apparently, let me click into it. It's Disney's official release slate. So let me pull it up. Um, I'm more amazed that Rogue Squadron would still be coming out on time because I would think that they would have to start getting into production if they wanted to release any time near 
next year because that's next year like and they don't the last we heard they were still writing and then there was problems with patty jenkinson patty jenkins and she was like maybe just not even going to do the project anymore because she was too busy with other things and now she's not busy so then people say she's back on it so and we haven't heard anything in months about that whole project so who knows i mean it just feels like they have to get the gears running they better acknowledge this at celebration like if they don't say anything about celebration about it in three months i'm gonna just assume that it's not happening at that point or at least it's not yeah. happening for a very long time. Like the Ryan Johnson trilogy is still technically production, but it's not been talked about. Yeah, so this is apparently, I guess it's from the official, this was updated this morning, the Disney official release schedule, and it still has Rogue Squadron still scheduled for, you know, its original release date in 2023 in December. So apparently it's still on. But like you said, I think we haven't heard much about it. Like where else, where else is this... Uh, you know, I, I just don't, I don't know. Like, I feel like we're basically what 18 months out from that movie potentially mm-hmm. or so 19 months out from it. So like we have to be hearing something about it. Like you had, like even forget the, you know, directors, Patty Jenkins and anybody talking about it, you know, you figured you'd be hearing casting calls. You'd be yeah. hearing, you know, just all kinds of like, you know, the actual production of the movie. So mm-hmm. it's just weird that they they haven't had any of that because by now you know being 18 months out like they presumably should be filming by the middle of this year or so mm-hmm. at middle middle maybe this fall potentially mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so like yeah. it just yeah go ahead no it's because it's like i think it's usually they're doing production and then they have like a, like about a year or a little bit less to do all the visual effects and the editing and, and the music and the sound and all that kind of thing they need plenty especially with a star wars movie it's it's super heavy on cgi and all the effects so it's like even more than a normal movie yeah well that's that's the big thing with it is like you know you have so many so many visual effects especially rogue squadron being such a big oh yeah like, well, um, what was it marketed as? Like the most like dog fighting, like, you know, they were going to make like really, you know, dog fighting basically like being a, such a big thing for it. So it's, it, there's going to be so many, so much CGI involved. So it's just, it, I don't know. It's like you're running out of time. Yeah. So like I said, it, you know, they always have a movie panel at star Wars celebration. It'll be very interesting this year. Um, and the fact is, like, I, I feel like Lucasfilm was just so behind on everything because we don't have an Obi-Wan trailer yet. We we don't even have an acknowledgement that Celebration's happening this year, which is just crazy to me. We're three months away. It's like, yeah, they sent out a tweet saying, okay, you can get a fan table, but it's like, who cares about the fan table? We don't even know if tickets are going on sale. <laughs> you know, we don't even know if the tickets are going on sale still. It's like, because a lot of people sold... Um, their tickets back and they haven't got an opportunity to have a possibility to buy them again if they if they want to go now um so i don't know lucasfilm their their publicity or whatever is going on over there it's uh they gotta do something i don't yeah that like like when you have that sort of thing that you know that's an issue because like fans are like well now what do i do you know i sold my tickets then i now i want to go and now what you don't have enough room for me to come and especially, you know, fans want to go to see this sort of stuff because to see, like, Ro- Rogue Squadron getting previewed, see, you know, potentially, we've talked about it so many times at Celebration, like, what if 
what if they show like the second episode of Kenobi when you guys are there? Like that sort of a thing, you know, is huge. And then, you know, we're obviously going to be getting Bad Batch stuff. And I guarantee you, you know, we're going to get an Andor trailer at Kenobi. It has to come. Oh, yeah. So it just makes you wonder what they're doing. See, like they're actually that's a, you know, you bring up the Ryan Johnson trilogy. That's a good example. Like maybe we're going to it's like kind of the smoke and mirrors, like like uh, like a magician type thing. Like, hey, look here, but don't look over there type thing. Like maybe they'll just keep us all focused on like Kenobi. Keep us focused on Mando. Keep us focused on um, Grammar uh, Radio. Keep us focused on Andor. Keep us focused on Bad Batch, the Lego game, the Knights of the Old Republic stuff. Like, you know, all these things. Basically, like, look at the shiny objects here and don't pay attention to Rogue Squadron over there. Yeah, it sort of feels that way now. <laughs> sort of feels that way. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. But yeah, yeah. thanks thanks for the update on that because it's been a while since I even thought about Rogue Squadron. Apparently, that thing uh, you just mentioned is, is working for <laughs> yeah it's still on board apparently <laughs> still on board and we'll still be on board for next week we want to thank everybody for joining us live on channel youtube.com slash star raptor you can listen to us and watch us live interact with us just like everybody in the chat we had dark dirty gonzo we had milton weber we had uh let's see going back we had jesus uh, benilla we had uh, jesse aaron daly Jesse Bennett. We want to thank everybody for joining us uh, this week. And you can always listen to us and download us on all your favorite podcast uh, networks. Just search Outer Room Transmission. You can search Outer Room Transmission on teespring.com to pick yourself up a t-shirt and a sweatshirt if you would like. That's the easiest way to support us here on the channel. Do go ahead and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Hit that bell notification icon so you know exactly when we go live, which is every uh friday just around nine o'clock eastern we start a little bit late tonight just because i was trying to figure out windows 11 all my settings got reset and uh but we got all under control so i can still do these live streams and i don't have to just cancel it because i can't do it anymore so we are all set to go i got some new hardware on the computer um and i will be playing a lot of destiny um this weekend that's probably why you haven't seen a lot of content on the channel uh, i put out a review for those two things i've I, i've talked about with um, the High Republic Adventures, you can check out that review. I put out a review for the Edge of Balance Volume 2 uh, manga. Um, but yeah, I've been a little bit a little bit under the radar after the book above. I was putting out like three or four videos a week. So I've also scaled things back to kind of relax a little bit. Um, but just know that that content is coming regularly. And you could always expect us here every, every single week. But that's enough for me. What are you going to be doing this week, Ben? Yeah, I mean, uh, nothing, nothing too much going on. Um... Just the normal gaming a little bit, um, hanging out, maybe, you know, meal prepping. Um, as I mentioned before, I lost a couple pounds this week, so the diet's going good. So just, uh, yeah, meal prepping, preparing for the following week. And, uh, you know, it's kind of the normal routine, staying warm, hanging out with family and friends. And just the the basic weekend, basic American weekend, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so So that's going to do it for us. For Ben, for I, Chris, aka Star Raptor. Thanks everybody for watching. This was Outer Rim Transmission number 47. Thank you for watching and transmission. <laughs>